0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to NISA Today FC. I'm Josh Taylor, and as I alluded to on social media earlier this week, you're going to get not just one, you're going to get two episodes from me this week. Say what? Really? Yes, I know it's been a while since I've been in the podcast game, but we got a big game on Sunday, the NISA Championship Final, between Albion San Diego and the Michigan Stars. And... I've been working really hard the last couple of days getting these interviews in, and I'm so excited to share them with you. Up first for tonight, we have Albion San Diego play-by-play announcer, Hector Trujillo. So he'll join us on our show tonight to give us his perspective on his journey working with Albion San Diego, talking about how the team exceeded expectations to get this far to the final and What the team is doing to prepare for the match on Sunday. And then on Friday night, I have my interview with Michigan Stars defender, Anthony Bowie. So he'll give us his perspective on how he's getting ready for the big game on Sunday. So you guys have waited long enough. Let's get right to it. Representing your Albion San Diego. Play-by-play announcer, Hector Trujillo. Today FC, I'm Josh Taylor, your host as always, and joining us uh, for our interview to give us the Albion San Diego perspective uh, as they prepare for the final on Sunday in Michigan is Albion San Diego play-by-play announcer Hector Trujillo. Hector, thanks for joining us this evening.
1: Hey, Josh, nice to talk to you over the phone. Thanks for having me, and yeah, I appreciate your time.
0: Uh, Hector, how are things going out there in uh, SD right now? You got the fans up there you're feeling very excited, you know, ready for Sunday.
1: Oh, absolutely, man! Yeah, everybody's stoked for it. Uh, social media is bursting at the seams right now. Obviously, you know that's the only professional soccer team, professional sports team, really that's still alive right now. I'll be on San Diego with uh, San Diego, getting eliminated, and the San Diego Wave also getting, and obviously the Padres and baseball getting eliminated. So they're holding the uh, their pulling the torch for the rest of San Diego, for all the fans, and uh, they can't wait. I mean, they've got a great season so far. They have upset Cal United, and, and everybody's excited to win a championship, bring a championship home to uh, San Diego besides the San Diego so- soccer.
0: Yeah, who would have thought Albion San Diego would be the last pro team standing to try to get a championship for that city? Uh, that's uh, been very crazy. Um, and this final as we kind of alluded to before we started the interview, who would have thought it would be Albion San Diego and the Michigan Stars being in the final? I know the Michigan Stars, you know, people gripe on social media about their style of play, how you know, all this stuff. But, hey, I always say, okay, ugly soccer, okay, it is what it is. But if it helps you get you three points, you know, you got to do what you got to do. And, you know, Albion with that high-powered offense of, you know, Melio Malongo and the Akate. Those players stepping up and getting goals. And of course, the great goalkeeper for Ben Roach, you know, Albion, I mean, they've done exceptionally well. So I think, hey, I know Chattanooga and Cal United were the top two teams in the league, but hey, you get uh, number three and number four, it's not a bad option either.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's about uh, playing your best, just like any other sport, playing your best at the right time. Uh, obviously having a bye week is what everybody goes for, but sometimes it works against you, you know, especially Chattanooga and and um, Cal United both having a bye week. I don't think it had that much to do with it. I think if you break down the season, the games that Albion, San Diego played uh, Cal United, they matched up against them really well the whole season. They only lost the first one at Canyon Crest Academy, and after that they drew the second one. They, they won the last two of the regular season, and obviously they came back. They were leading 2 to nothing. Cal United came back to tie him and then they put it away uh, in the second half, four to two, and uh, I think it's one of those things where you match up with a team that a man to man and the styles of uh, play, and that's what really sets uh, sets the tone for a game. It's not really not so much the records. And in terms of you mentioned Michigan, Michigan Stars against Chattanooga FC, three teams. I think they played like uh, three straight zero zero draws or something to start the season.
0: Yeah, the and first three games was like 0 nil draws, and then uh, Chattanooga won in Michigan a couple weeks ago. Um, back in early October, being them at their place, and then of course, as you know, Michigan Stars returned the favor at their place this past weekend.
1: Yeah, it's all about getting to know your opponent when you face an opponent that often, especially in soccer. You get to know the the tendencies of, of different players and stuff like that. I think it it really doesn't come down to records at that point. It's all, all about managing the game in specific situations. And I think both Albion San Diego and Michigan Stars, where the coaching staffs did a good job in that sense, especially with. Uh, Bringing up the game against Michigan Stars once they took a lead. They, they're known for great defense and clamping down and keeping possession. And it's one of those things. That's one of those teams that you can't, even though Albion San Diego beat them pretty convincingly the first time, I think three to nothing. And then they lost the second one, two to nothing. It's one of those games, one of those things that if it's a team that, that's good at keeping possession and maintaining control of, of uh, forcing turnovers, I think Michigan Stars is one of those teams you, you cannot fall behind early.
0: Yeah, and as people have said, in on social media, other podcasts, you know, going into the playoffs, if there was one team you probably did not want to face. It would be the Michigan Stars, just because of their, as you mentioned, that defensive style of play. Uh, and I think, I think the Knights of the, East of the podcast said something had a stat where, like, anytime Michigan scores first or like undefeated, but if they give a bunch of goals early, they end up losing or getting a draw. So. With Michigan Stars, you know, it's time. it can go either way. Uh, and with Sunday, we know we'll have a winner one way or the other. So it'll be a good matchup to look up for, uh, to look forward to, I should say. Yeah, um,
1: and I think because it's such a different style of both teams. Albion San Diego is one of those quick stride counterattacking teams that you saw by what they did to Cal United. Four goals against them, and Cal United had the best goals per game defense of the league. And then obviously Michigan Stars has the second best run in the regular season. So totally different styles. Styles make for boxing and styles makes for soccer. And I think everybody's going to enjoy the uh, this final because it's such a contrast in the way that each, each team plays each other.
0: Definitely, definitely. Uh, Hector, I want to give my audience a, a little chance to get to know you a bit. So I was just curious about how you got involved you know, covering soccer and kind of what led you to want to, you know, be a play-by-play announcer uh, covering sports.
1: Yeah, well, I grew up in Mexico, actually. I was born in Mexicali, grew up in TJ. After high school, I came to San Diego Community College and then played for Southwestern College, Community College level, never played pro, transferred to San Diego State and got my bachelor's and my master's degree there. I was writing for the school newspaper, the Daily Aztec there for a few years several semesters as, as their soccer writer, so I got to know all the uh, all the coaches here in San Diego and covered the, the Aztecs when they had and they still uh, were like a contender back there. Uh, I didn't get the chance to cover Pala, Pablo Palais so who now plays for Avion San Diego, but I got to know Lef Gertner there as their head coach and uh, starting covering journalistic um, games in terms of uh, recaps for San Diego State. After that, you get hooked up locally. It's not a really big city per se, like L.A. or New York or even Chicago, but it's a lot of word of mouth, getting, you know, making friends in, in whatever job you do, especially if you broadcast journalism and print journalism. So after that, uh, I always followed um, Liga MX. I like MLS, but I follow Liga MX more. And I, I was always inspired by the broadcasting and the play-by-play of uh, Pedro Bermudez and, and Martinoli, the passion that they bring to the games, not just Liga MX games, but also like World Cup games, the Copa America games. So that was always my plateau to to be involved in something like that and bring my own taste and my own passion. And luckily for me, I have a, a really cool sidekick broadcast uh, with me uh, Mary Beth Smuda. She's a color commentator and she also brings that passion. That, as you guys have, guys have had a chance to watch the Albion uh, games through 11 sports and TVX videos. So it's a good uh, yin yang we got going on. it's a, it's a real pressure to watch this team play in their rookie season in NISA. They had a really successful history playing in the MPSL, and it's uh, just the past
0: brings out the passion and yeah and I I've, I've managed to watch some of your the broadcast with Albion and like you mentioned you and, and Mary Beth Zamuda you guys do An awesome job out there bringing the passion kind of getting that inside perspective on you know Albion and you know but kind of find that balance you know respecting the other opponent and you know, getting the broadcast of their team and some of the players because I've seen you know some Nisa broadcasts me of course being a broadcast content manager with Chicago House last year, I watched some broadcasts and I'm like, wow, these guys really know their stuff. They're doing this and getting pro perspective, all these things and then you see some broadcasts where it's very Homered, like it's just know about the home team, but not so much on the way team. So I kinda like how you guys have that balance of counts kind of balancing out and, you know, you guys cover Albion and for them they had a you know, a, a solid season when I think not people were sure how it was gonna go once they were formerly 1904 FC and then got bought by Albion and they merged the club and, you know, not sure what to expect. And Hey, I mean, I would say making the playoffs and now you're in the final, you certainly went well above expectations.
1: And it's really cool to have that background, that passion also from the fans, the old school 1904 fans showing up and embracing that merger that you just mentioned at the end of last season, the fall season of Nisa and they really gotten to know all the new players that uh, they didn't play for 1904 before, and they show up to every home game. They bring their if you can hear the drums on the broadcast. That's them, Eric and company, Elizabeth, and everybody bringing in their own their own energy to the regardless of what the score is. They're always pumping up their team, and they also do the home games uh, at Cannon Crest Academy where they have the kids running around the field in the 67th or 70th minute or something like that to bring that extra exuberance for the for the fans that were attending. But it's really good that uh, there was that connection that they were able to include the, uh, the old school fans from the 1904 days, their very first game, I still remember, against Cal United at uh, the old Qualcomm Stadium where they won 3-1. And there was that same level of, of intensity and passion that, that they still have today and, and embracing Albion. And two, two heads are better than one, and I think they're doing a good job. This, they, they obviously have done a good job this season.
0: Yeah, what kind of amazes me the most with How that – because we weren't sure how that transition was going to go. But obviously for the first year, it's gone very well to make it the final. And 1904 FC, since they were – as you know, because you covered 1904 FC since day one, back then in 2019 when Nisa first started. And 1904 FC, you know, they had some runs but didn't do well in some times. And they never made it to the playoffs. And after last year, seeing how they struggled so bad last year and – to have Albion take over and kind of bring that professional organization, kind of regroup that organization. And now to be good and competing for championships and knocking out Cal United, who, as you know, last year covering NISA, you know, it was pretty much Detroit city FC, uh, the LA force and Cal United, but basically those were the top three teams all year long. And now Albion's, you know, at that level finishing, you know, within the top four of the league. So I think that's a pretty uh, amazing feat, considering where they were last year.
1: Yeah, for a second it looked like Cal United was going to make a run to break Detroit City's, uh, I think it was 27 undefeated games. Yeah, early
0: in the season, you were right.
1: Yeah, and I think the most memorable game for 1904 was, ironically, against Michigan Stars last season, where they came back, they were a man down, a goal down, with a few minutes left to play, and they they scored two goals. Oh yeah, that's right, that's
0: right, I forgot about that game. Yes. I yeah, remember.
1: I don't know if they won a game after that, but that was the most memorable one. But it still had Ozzy Ramos and those guys. But yeah, you brought up the Cal United. It's one of those things. I, I'm glad that they're building a rivalry here with Cal United. Hopefully, Ali Force gets back. You know, at that the level that uh, people are used to seeing him at, and that would make a great trifecta of teams here in Southern California and and the NISA level to uh, to create that that extra passion that we were talking about.
0: Well, speaking of Southern California. Uh San Diego and soccer, they kind of go hand-in-hand. Hand. They've Soccer has grown in that city for such a long time. And it's kind of weird in San Diego where the only – they had soccer teams, but the, the only soccer team that at least we know about that has been very successful and gotten a lot of attention, especially the last couple of years, is their indoor soccer team, San Diego Soccers, who play in the MESL. Of course, <clears throat> they're also back-to-back champions. So I got to throw that in there, but you also got, you know, USL now is the San Diego loyal and in that group, of course, as you mentioned, Tijuana, you know, Tijuana, last I checked, even though they're in Leon Max, they have a, a following, a big following down there in San Diego as well. We talked about, of course, 1904 FC and now Albion San Diego, as you mentioned, Albion, of course, they were an MPSL team. So they've had that connection there in San Diego for quite some time. And then of course, now this year, and with the San Diego wave and, of course, there's always rumors about San Diego potentially getting an MLS team. So from your perspective, Hector, just talk about how soccer has grown in your city.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's even rumors right now. I mean, there's always rumors, but there's supposedly a really big push coming up in the next few months of bringing in a Major League Soccer team here based on uh, having now Snapdragon Stadium and how much attendance San Diego did for their home games. And... Uh, yeah, it's one of those things. I think I always steal the quote from uh, Warren Smith. And I think he said something like, I'm paraphrasing, but uh, San Diego is the epicenter of s- soccer in North America and I'm starting to believe that, too because of the same reasons you just mentioned, you know, being so close to the border, Tijuana, Liga Max, the rivalries and stuff like that and also the success, obviously, that you brought up with the San Diego soccer, 16-time champions, going for a three-peat this season coming up and San Diego Loyal, they made the playoffs back-to-back seasons. Unfortunately, they they were bounced by Oakland Roots. But you know, making the playoffs two of your first three seasons in any league is really impressive. And they obviously still have Landon Donovan, the U.S. men's national team legend, as their head coach. And what we talked about San Diego way, but uh, what a great run they had in their own inaugural season and in the NWSL making the semifinals and almost making it to the final if it wasn't for two great goals by the Portland Thorns. So it's one of those things that I think with the World Cup coming up in a, about a month, less than a month, is there's going to be more and more intention. And You see the final ratings every year. Anytime there's a big soccer tournament, international or domestic, the ratings for San Diego beat out some of the bigger cities, even L.A. or Chicago or Philadelphia, New York sometimes. And they're always in the top market in the top in terms of viewing the ratings in terms of viewership and stuff so it's, i think it's one of those things that the powers that be in the u.s soccer echelon are not going to be able to ignore this much longer i think there's going to be a continue to be a bright feature here for soccer in san diego
0: yeah more soccer you know in in in, in, in place like san diego you know i know it's not as big as like new york l.a or chicago but i always they we always hear about support local soccer and hey and more soccer especially in a place like san diego is it's better because you give fans different options, you know, to for different teams. And I used to live in Europe and, and Germany and been a bunch of places around Europe. And over there, you, you got like, you know, big clubs, but you also got community based clubs in like your neighborhood and they're out there supporting there. So I always believe if America ever gets something similar like that, especially with the, as you mentioned, the 2026 FIFA World Cup coming up in four years should be a pretty exciting times for soccer continue to grow in this country.
1: Yeah, I'm really excited about it, especially they're going to be sharing with Canada and Mexico. It'll be a three-country thing. Most of the games, obviously, here in the U.S. But uh, yeah, man, it's something that uh, even, I think ESPN, I think Taylor Toltman talked about it recently, about it's overtaking even, you know, some of the other major sports in the U.S. that have had a longer history than uh, soccer, per se, or professional soccer. But it's one of those things that you just feel the momentum push and push and push, and And you see from the attendance numbers and the success that that the teams have had and especially Albion San Diego now, like we talked about, being the only playoff team remaining here in San Diego, there's no denying that it's got a bright future here locally.
0: Yeah, and, you know, exciting times ahead, not just for soccer in the U.S., but in San Diego in general. Now, Hector, what kind of led you to cover uh, sports for (sighs) SDNews.com?
1: I was writing, I'm actually still writing for a, a newspaper in Spanish called El Latino Newspaper, and uh, I'm a freelancer there, but I'm their main soccer guy, and I got hooked up here, like I was saying, uh, San Diego's not a big town per se, so you word of mouth, you get to know people, you know, randomly or through through friends, and and I always want to write in English too, I mean, the last time I wrote uh, articles in English was when I covered the Daily Aztec for San Diego State, the men's soccer team there, so... I just wanted to always have that the following and, and like fans and readers and, and the Spanish market and the Spanish newspapers. But I want to branch out more and get back to my San Diego state roots and start writing stuff for, for English uh, print publications. And i had been writing for other been freelancing for other uh, newspapers in San Diego as well. So I got the attention of the editor there. I brought up my idea about doing a column, the uh, football weekly column in San Diego. And he loved the idea, so now we combine all this. Obviously, the only team, like I said, is Albion right now. But during the season, we had covering Wave, we covered Loyal, we covered the Soccer, we covered even UPSL teams. Uh, Arenalde Gomez, the ADD team, um, we wrote stuff about them. So it's more the uh, the push to uh, to get the word out about like lower level uh, division teams, and uh, even though NWSL is a first division team. But that's one of those things that it had a purpose and there was a method to the madness per se and I'm glad the uh, column is still going on and I think it's going to go on for next season as well.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. And getting out there to cover not just the pro teams but, you know, other sports and kind of getting, like you said, word of mouth, getting people to know about what's going on in San Diego and their community. That's always a awesome experience. And I can kind of relate to that even though the station I work at, it's a community television network so they only cover uh, like Naperville and Aurora like those in the just outside Chicago but with the high schools that we cover and North Central College you know they go down to Chicago or play in Indiana or other places and we get to do part of that go cover big sporting events so i know for me this weekend i'll be in Peoria because i have to cover uh cross country like high school cross country they're having their their state championship there So I'll be making a two hour drive to Peoria to go cover that. But yeah, you know, it's part of, you know, storytelling. I can understand that, you know, with me working in soccer and other sports. And also you have that experience working for freelance, doing stuff with San Diego State and now stuff for SDnews.com and helping tell the story and informing the audience what's going on. So that's awesome.
1: Yeah, and I, Like I said, I can't wait for this final to happen. Uh, Michigan stars. I'll be on San Diego. It's already set for Sunday. It'll be up over there, over there in Michigan Romeo Stadium. So I know are people you are going complaining. In Michigan?
0: About, or are you going to be just no,
1: no way, dude. I'm uh, I'm scared no. of flying. Actually, so if anything's <laughs> further away than Vegas for me, it's kind of iffy. But uh, but yeah, man, it's one of those things that we talked about social media at the beginning that people are you know giving their thoughts about it, and obviously. Both sides have a very loyal fan base in terms of uh, who they want to win, and but it's going to come down to styles. It's going to come down like we brought up the example of the boxing match. Everybody's got their different styles, and you may have a plan to begin with if you're a coach or a player, but once they say the proverbial, once you get punched in the mouth, and you got to adapt or make changes. I think uh, I think both teams are suited for a final. I think both teams are deserving of a of a final, even though Chadwick FC fans are kind of you know still kind of not happy with the way that thing ended. And um, But, yeah, I, I'm, I'm excited for it, man. I'm definitely not going to miss it. We're actually going to have a brewing pu- 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 party here locally in San Diego at the, the main sponsor for Albion San Diego, Novo, Novo Brewing in uh, Chula Vista, San Diego, Southern San Diego. So we're already getting the word out on social media. So we're trying to pack the place and have as much support there locally to watch them live and, and root them on for a, for a victory and a, a championship, Bring that championship home to San Diego that the Padres and the rest of the teams couldn't get.
0: No, I hear you. The the viewing parties are always fun. I remember when I worked for Chicago House last year, we did those for when our team was on the road. Uh, So that was pretty cool. Um, I think if I remember right, last year we went to – I can't remember the name of the place we went to, but they were playing – Chicago House was playing uh, 1904 in San Diego. So uh, we were watched. we had a viewing party in downtown Chicago watching that game. So – you know, doing stuff like that, having food, being with friends, other fans, you know, meeting new people, supporting the team. That stuff is always cool. Now, Hector, how did you uh, end up uh, being the play-by-play man for uh, Albion San Diego?
1: Well, that was actually the uh, PA announcer for 1904. Uh, I got to do a couple of games for them before the COVID outbreak back in early 2020. And I stayed in touch with everybody, uh, the the manager for the team, I knew from the USL two days, Koki Osumi, and uh, we yeah, met so each I remember him
0: first, when, he came, when, yeah, he, when we played yeah, him. Yeah, he's a I got, he's pretty yeah. good
1: guy. He's a really cool guy. He remembered me, obviously, from from those days. He'd say, hey, we need a PA announcer, bring those beautiful goal lasso calls, and I, it was my pleasure, I said, but uh, obviously the season had to end early because of the COVID outbreak in early 2020, and... But I, like I said, I stayed in touch with everybody. I, I just, like, kept writing articles, profile pieces, and, and what the teams were doing, what the players were doing, and the community as well, making a difference, positive difference, even though it was a really tough times for everybody playing 2020, 2021. so And after that, I heard uh, word of mouth that they needed a play, play-by-play guy. And uh, I got to do, uh, the, like I said, 1904, and they remembered me. I sent them some links, but I did some... Uh, some games in Spanish that I covered uh, back in TJ a long, long time ago. They loved them, even though they couldn't understand half of what I was saying. But they, I think they got the gist of it. And they said, OK, you're down. Let's do it. Let's. Who do you recommend for a color commentator? And I brought up the name Mary Beth Smuda. And like I said, we've had a great connection all season. And we all have both have different styles. But it's something that I think the fans enjoy. And hopefully we can do this again next season when they're lifting a trophy and coming back as the defending champions.
0: Yeah, Hector, what is it like working with uh, Mary Beth? I know you mentioned you all, you all know each other, you're good uh, friends and everything, but what was it like, you know, getting to work with her uh, throughout the season?
1: That's a really cool experience. I mean, she also uh, has experience writing, covering the team. She does a lot of the uh, the uh, recaps for Abby on San Diego, even back when they were uh, in the MPSL days, and she's got the connections. And she knows Siggy Koritoski, the head coach, and a lot of the old school players that have branched out to uh, to do uh, different things, and some of them have been actually really successful in their ventures. And and yeah, she brings that that extra. She keeps me in uh, under wraps sometimes because I'm I'm always one of those announcers that uh, likes to uh, call the game too early sometimes, and that could jinx a team. Unfortunately, luckily it hasn't happened for beyond this season. Even though the did come close one time, I think it, it was um, I can't remember what team it was, but uh, it was pretty close, and I. Pretty sure that we're going to win it. And I, I almost jinxed them, but luckily it didn't happen. So she, keep, she keeps me balanced, as balanced as I can be. And I think we have a really good connection. We feed off each other pretty well. And she's got her own, obviously, experience in, in soccer. And she played it and, like, she covered it as well. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm, ho- I'm looking forward to working with her. Um, and obviously not this season because this is the final game of the championship, but next season. And hopefully we'll have a, a more even more of a following that we do right now. And uh, so more fans can uh, can enjoy the games either live or through the stream, and and bring that passion that everybody enjoys with soccer. If there's something about soccer that brings out the passion every, in everybody. And I think Mary Beth and I do a pretty good job of that.
0: All right, now Heather, we're gonna kind of put you on the spot here. Let's kind of go back into the beginning of the season. when needs to start back in March. Did you did you think at that time after we talked about during the off season where Albion took over 1904 FC and you know, kind of rebranded them and, you know, signing a couple of players, bringing some NISA veterans like Mayela Malongo, who used to, who was with New Amsterdam last year, bringing him in, and uh, Vicente. Did you really thought this team back then was going to make the NISA final right now?
1: Well, I wasn't sure because there wasn't a lot of details at the very beginning in terms of who would be coming back for 1904, who would be coming back for Albi what the whole game plan was in terms of the long-term perspective. And, uh, I mean, any time a new, a new team is formed and it, it's their rookie season in the league, it's kind of hard to predict them to make it to the championship game, even though you can be the uh, more, most ardent of, of uh, followers and fans. But uh, I knew they would have a successful season because of the, uh, the long history that Albion San Diego has had here in San Diego since the early 1980s. And Noah Gins and uh, obviously Ziggy Koritoski, his experience as a, as a head coach with the uh, with them in the MPSL, taking them to the national semifinal a couple of years ago, and um, so I was confident they would have, a, if not make the playoffs, uh, that that, uh, that they would be competitive in every game that they played. And it, I was, I was, uh, they've done that the whole season except for that. I think that was that last road trip where they had uh, three straight games in the East Coast against Maryland, uh, Michigan, and, and Chattanooga. That didn't go their way, but they were still kind of competitive in those games too as well. And they got home right at the right time and and detail Cal United in the regular season a finale for them and that uh, propelled them to the playoffs or to uh, get a home game against Maryland that they won as well. So I was uh, cautiously optimistic, and it turned out to be a good thing because I think now that they, they've proven to everybody that even though it's your rookie season, and Nisa, it's a good example for the rest of the teams. You didn't know what was going to happen with Nisa either because of the whole thing that happened with Valley United and the base of FC that they had to drop out. So, you were everything was up in the air at that point as well with the league. So, everything turned out okay. I think the league's got a bright future ahead of it as well. And I think Albion San Diego proved a lot of the naysayers wrong. And I can't wait for this final on Sunday.
0: Yeah, and I know the Albion San, oh, San Diego, they've had some players that really stood out this season that kind of helped make them successful. Uh, I was just curious from your perspective since you guys cover the team, was, is there a player that kind of maybe surprised you uh, throughout the season?
1: Oh, man, it's so hard to pick because everybody brings such a different uh, skill set to, uh, to the game and stuff. I mean, obviously, I know about Maia Malongo, as you brought up with uh, New Amsterdam. I knew about Damian Vicente as a defender. Maia Malongo expected great things from him, and he's, he hasn't uh, let us down and uh, Alain Diacate finished as a second-leading scorer behind Micros Snagolstadt. He's always a guy that you have to keep an eye on. I like to call them, uh, they feed off each other so well, Mayela Malongo and Alain Diacate. Lethal Weapon 2, that's my new nickname for them. For <laughs> anybody that remembers the Mel Gibson and Danny Glover movies. But, uh, yeah, I think I've had to pick one guy that's really caught my eye. It's uh, Pablo Peláez, uh, former San Diego State player, midfielder, and... Um, yeah, he's definitely one of those guys that can not only score great goal losses from long distance, but he's got a perfect touch that he can throw 30, 40-yard passes right on the money to streaking Diacate or streaking Malongo, and he we can regain possession as well to start those counterattacks uh, or slow the game down if the team's in the lead. So if there's one guy that, uh, maybe because he reminded me of me a little bit when I played in college, so it's, uh, and we're kind of the same height too, so that's, I'm kind of biased towards that as well. So I would have to go with Pablo Pelaez for sure.
0: No, nah, man, I played soccer, too, when I was in high school and, and middle school and all that. And you always tend to go with someone that, you know, may not be a big-name player, but kind of relates to the style you play. So, no, it totally makes sense. One area that I know that's going to be kind of key in this match for Sunday is going to be the goalkeepers. For Alabama, of course, Ben Roach, he's been really good for this team, and and the other side for Michigan Stars, you got Tatendi Macruva on the other end. So what are you, how are you thinking the the goalkeeping battle is going to be different with, as you mentioned, two different styles of play, but in the goalkeeping, it's going to be the same kind of thing as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, macruva is one of those guys that always, if you watch all the games, He does, he's not afraid of taking a chance and being out, outside his line, outside his box, if it needs to be, and uh, Ben Roach is one of those more old-school, I like, to think of him as the 1980s prototypical goalkeeper, being really disciplined and controlling his specific area and being good with the reactions and on the set pieces and and managing the game and uh, different styles, not just in terms of the overall team, but in terms of goalkeepers as well. Very talented both. And it's going to come down to me in terms of having the best communication with your defensive line. Any little mistake, we've seen it throughout the season for every team. Unfortunately, no team's been perfect this year, but uh, a miscommunication and turnover in the back that leaves the goalkeeper one-on-one. There's only so much things a goalkeeper can do in that situation. So this smells to me like one of those games where the goalkeepers are going to be huge in terms of if they got the 1-0 lead, slowing down the game and making sure that your defenders are where they're supposed to be. And if it's a tight game, making sure that you're conservative but not too conservative where you're giving away all the momentum as well. So both experienced goalkeepers, both very talented. And I think both are going to have a good game. I think it's going to be those games that's going to be tough to score. And that first goal is going to set the tone for, for the rest of the match. If it's an early goal, Albion can play that counterattack and, and force Michigan starts to to push forward a little bit and, and be in a situation that they're not used to being in. So uh, I'm expecting great things from both of them. And I think it'll come down to a one-goal game, actually.
0: Yeah, I think it's going to be a, a low-scoring game as well. But it should be a, a fun one to watch. And I think we talked about the goalkeeping. We talked about Miley, Malongo, Alan Diacate, how they've been in good form and trying to carry this team. Of course, Malongo being a playmaker, because I know with New Amsterdam, he was expected to be the guys go- going scoring the goals. But since he's come to Albion, he's been more like setting up the plays, getting the ball to the strikers and you know occasionally you know getting get the ball in the back of the net so it's going to be interesting too to see how Michigan Stars try to stop Malongo
1: yeah I think it'll be coming down to imposing their style of play which is slow down the game keep possession play like uh, Spain used to do when they won those European and the World Cup back then it might not be the prettiest thing but it does like we said at the very beginning of the interview it's it's about being effective and getting that W, and they've been good at doing that. I think the uh, they finished as the second-best defense in the league, points per game average, and it's one of those things. If they get a one nothing lead on you, good luck trying to score two on them. So I think it's going to be huge that for Albion to uh, to set the tone early, put them on, on their back heels as much as possible, and if they can get an early goal, take it into the half, and then Ziggy Korytowski can work his magic in terms of substitutions and then making sure that one goal stands up.
0: In other words, attack and, and get the go early, especially for a very well defensive team. Uh, Hector, why do you think – I know this is the first year as Albion San Diego as a professional squad. But how do you think that – why do you think that Albion has been so successful uh, in the 2022 season?
1: Oh, I think there's a few reasons. Uh, the main ones being that they were able to to garner that old school support from the 1904 fans. They were able to uh, also use the, uh, the history, the success of the MPSL days, even though they're not playing at Mission Bay Stadium anymore. They're playing up in Canyon Crest Academy Stadium where 1904 used to play. They're still able to, uh, to harness all those positives from their successes. Their, their academy system, their developmental system is top-notch. It's one of the best in the country. And... Um, it's one of those things that they, they build off momentum once the fans are there. The, you can probably hear them during the broadcast pushing them forward, and it's really an emotional team that that the high they don't let the highs get too high or the lows get too low, and they, they feed off the, the home crowd. Obviously, they won't have that advantage in the final at Romeo Stadium, but it's I think in the back of their heads, knowing that they lost to uh, Michigan Stars the last time they played them on two mistakes in the early in the first half, it's one of those games that they feel they probably that they lost instead of the opponent winning per se, but I think they're not happy with that. So I think in terms of that sense, they're going to be able to uh, to harness all their successes and all their experiences from the uh, from during the regular season and to continue with that momentum that they pushed for from the very first game that they played at Canyon Crest Academy. And and if I had to pick, make a prediction right now, and we're not in predictions just yet, I think like we said, it's going to be a long scoring game. One goal is going to make a difference, but I'm picking Albion. Pull it off two to one, come back with the trophy, and uh, to the home fans celebrating the uh, the lifting of the championship.
0: Yeah, I think a lot of people, at least from what I see on social media, are leaning towards picking Albion, and you know it's it would be such a cool story to see them win. You know they've like you mentioned as you brought up earlier that that's what their organization and we have the the youth academy part of that and going on this great run uh, throughout the season to have success. And look, they made it this far because they beat Maryland at home in their quarterfinals. And then, of course, as you mentioned, they knocked out the top-seeded Cal United Strikers FC. And as you mentioned, Albion, they, they've had Cal United's number this year. And I know Cal United, from what i see on social media, a lot of people are talking about for that game specifically, how, you know, they had the layoff and, you know, they let their coach, Don Ebert, go and was he took over, but it hasn't, it just for whatever reason didn't click. But I always said, okay, yeah, Cal United had a, you know, a break, um, but Albion, you know, they also had a break too. They didn't play a game for like almost, like almost a month, just like the LA Force. And yeah, when they came, it's like, they didn't miss a beat. They just kept going.
1: Yeah, yeah. so I think mean, it goes back to the testament of the coaching staff keeping keeping them prepared and keeping them healthy and, and making sure that that period um, almost a month not playing competitively is going to get to any team, but they made sure to minimize that. And it's really showed on the standings. You know, like I said, it got iffy there at the end with the three games in the, in the East, but they were to bounce back with a huge win against Cal United, and who can say that they, they knocked off Cal United and beat them three games in a row, so that level of confidence is something that you're definitely going to need against a team like the Michigan Stars that's really disciplined and, and physical. And um, if you, if you want to look at a team that can intimidate somebody, it's going to be the Michigan Stars. Uh, I think they're not going to let that happen. I think Xavier Kortoski is going to continue with that positive mindset and keeping them focused on what, what the goal is and what the game plan is. And it should be a fun match. Regardless of who you're rooting for, I think it's not going to disappoint anybody.
0: Yeah, and I and I totally agree with that because what also impressed me about watching that game against Cal United this past weekend was even though Cal United came back, they were down two nil, they came back tied to game two two, Albion didn't get nervous. They were just like, Okay, they got two goals, they're back in this game, let's 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 get back into it. And next thing you know, they get two goals down the stretch to seal the deal over Cal United. So that was another thing that really impressed me. About Albion is this like you mentioned, they they didn't let anything phase them at all.
1: Yeah, I mean, you're expecting Cal United to make a push, especially at home, especially with the level of players that they got, Cadono and Omar Nuno, both of, them, uh, well, both of them scoring, actually. And When a team scores like Cal United scores 2-1, you you would expect uh, the opponent to, to just fold and say, OK, here comes the avalanche. But no, they stayed focused. They were able to get a goal from Jonathan Basai, the third one, and they put it away with uh, Alawindi Akate. So... So that level of confidence you can't buy anywhere, and I think they're going to use that positively for the final.
0: Now, Hector, I know the Albion has to travel out east to um, for this game. So the final is going to be in three days. So what do you think is going through these players' minds uh, right now, leading up to the championship game on Sunday?
1: Well, I think it's a, a different level depending on the player, their experience level. All of them have professional experience, obviously, playing in NISA, but a lot of them have more professional experience at the higher, like hands, Hanson. He's played U.S. Open Cup. He played for the uh, Portland Timbers in the major league soccer. And um, so there's, uh, there's uh, those like, more experience levels uh, of certain players that they can almost mentor the other players and keep them focused. and play almost like, uh, like head coaches or mini head coaches on the field, on the pitch. And, and obviously the coaching staff, they have their great resumes and their successes as playing um, professionally as well. So, so I think it's that, that balance that everybody brings all the, the different talents in terms of their, their histories and, and they can feed off each other in that sense. And I don't think there's, there's going to be obviously nervousness playing in your first Mesa final, but that's always that level of exuberance that you have to balance that out in terms of when you, point, once the opening whistle happens to, uh, to use those those more experienced players like Harold Hansen and the others to help out on the pitch. And I think that's going to be pretty helpful for, for everybody uh, as soon as the whistle starts. Know that you got that backup and that, that resume of success behind you, and I think they're going to use it positively as well.
0: Now, Hector, is there a, a player that Albion should be concerned about uh, against the Michigan Stars?
1: Obviously, the uh, Junkai brothers, you know, Steven and his younger brother, you got to keep an eye on them. They're, they're very talented, talented players. Uh, Shmellev is one of those guys that on the set pieces, he can, if you lose track of him for a split second, he's going to be the first guy to get to the ball and, and head it in or, or use his proverbial right foot to, to tap it in if he's got an opening and he gets by the defenders. So there's so many different players. I think it comes more, more to tactics with Michigan Stars corner kicks set pieces and uh, those passes into the box, those crosses into the box. But everybody, everybody's one of those guys, even the defenders can score on you. And uh, it's one of those things that it's about maintaining discipline with that, with that team uh, physically and mentally, especially at the end of the game where things can get chippy, as we saw with Chattanooga FC. Uh, Don't get coaxed into anything, but make sure that the, that the referee is, you don't give a referee an excuse to do anything that you're going to regret later. So it's gonna come. That's a game. Sorry, if there's a game that's zero uh, zero or one one in the final few minutes, make sure that you stay focused enough. That understand that you can't have any mistakes. If you can get a, a miracle goal at the end, that's fantastic. But make sure that the Michigan stars don't put you in a situation where you're gonna cost your team, uh, as we saw with Chad C. So it's one of those things. They have a lot of players that bring their own different level of talent, and I think they gotta keep an eye on everybody, not just the uh, not just the forwards, but also the defenders as well.
0: The Michigan Stars, as we've learned from their games their playoff games against Syracuse and especially against Chattanooga FC, set pieces, set pieces, set pieces. pieces. It always reminded me of my days with Chicago C.J. Brown when we were going that streak of losing games. He just kept telling me, saying, "Every time, set pieces, set pieces, set pieces. We just got to improve. Stop that. We'll be much <laughs> So that's going to be an interesting dynamic as well. But um, Hector, before I let you go. Uh, what, well, you kind of probably alluded to it earlier, but from you covering the team all season, what are some keys that you think Calvary has got to do on Sunday to you know, get the win and bring that trophy home to San Diego?
1: Keep the game close at the start. If you can get an early goal, that's great. I mean, it'll be tough. It'll be interesting to see if you do get an early goal, like you did in the first game against Michigan Stars, where uh, I think it was Walter Barella who scored in the 16th or 17th minute. That forced uh, Michigan to to readjust their game plan and uh, their tactical style of play in terms of defense. If you can't get an early goal, make sure it's it's not uh, a situation where you're trailing with 10 or 15 minutes left to play. Make sure it's at least tied at that point because they're going to clamp down on you. That's the team that it's going to be 100 times as hard to overtake them if they got the lead late. So and don't expect them to make a mistake defensively because they're so disciplined as well. So the keys to the game is is trying to make sure you impose your style of play in the first half, make sure there's no situation where you've been ejected or you have too many yellows in the first half, and then the second half, you, you're down a player. So keep your discipline, keep your focus, like Z Koritowski is good at doing. And if it comes down to going to extra time, overtime, let the chips fall they may, in. if even better for... For the fans who like excitement and adrenaline, if it goes to penalty kicks, that's that's even you know it's going to make for great ratings and memorable moments and and stuff like that. But uh, I think I think like I said, I'm pretty, I wouldn't say super confident with that prediction, but I think Albion's streaking at the right time. They're finding themselves late, and but just in time, and I think they're going to pull off the two to one win.
0: Well, you are here first, guys. We're go- Hector Trujillo's going with a two one win for Albion San Diego. The one thing I do find interesting, though, since we're talking about NISA here, is that this is now the third straight year where we've had a final in Michigan because 2020 was Detroit City SC for the fall championship. Of course, spring season last year, Detroit City again. We did not have the playoffs last fall for the fall season, and now we have a full year season, and we're back in Michigan again this time for Michigan Stars place, but for third year in a row. I just find that crazy. I guess that means next yeah. year we'll we'll plan to go to Detroit to, to see Gold Star as he made the final or whatever. But I don't know. Maybe Nita's has a thing for Michigan. I don't know. I just find yeah. that Yeah,
1: even, even Detroit City made the playoffs in the US on the rookie season, so they got a great talent pool over there for any sport, and especially soccer. So.
0: Definitely, definitely. All right, Hector. Well, I appreciate you taking... Some time out of your day out there in beautiful sunny san diego to chat with us about some albion san diego and i certainly wish them the best of luck in their match on sunday because me and you will be watching the game from afar but it should be a good one
1: hey thanks so much for your time josh i'm sure we'll be talking soon again
0: All right, I want to thank Albion San Diego play-by-play announcer Hector Trujillo for joining us tonight to share his perspective on Albion San Diego and, of course, giving us his prediction for the match on Sunday. As I mentioned, tomorrow I will post on social media my interview with Michigan Stars defender Anthony Bowie. And with that, that concludes this episode if you guys have any suggestions feedback or comments you can direct message me on my personal Twitter page it's at JT underscore Taylor 88 if you want to keep up with all the latest updates on the show you can follow us on our social media pages we're on Facebook at Nisa Today FC we're also on Instagram at Nisa underscore Today FC and we're also on Twitter at Nisa underscore Today F C Alright That's all for tonight. Tune back in tomorrow for my next episode. Till then, take it easy. Bye for now guys. And enjoy the game on Sunday.